Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. I can't believe that. Boyd has kicked the goal. Welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. We are 20 rounds into the AFL season. And as always, we are proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie Dads. Uh, I'm the host of the SC Playbook AFL Podcast. Uh, but joining me this morning are a couple of the uh, the young gurus on the SC Playbook team. Uh, on the left of my podcast, uh, we've got Charlie Chief, the CEO of the SC Playbook AFL website. Uh, Chief, how are you on this fine Tuesday morning? I'm good. Thank you, Eddie. It's a very nice introduction and uh, I'm very happy to be here. How's the uh, how's the body feeling after the return to the footy field on the weekend? Oh, it was good on a on a minutes restriction. So played the first half, sat out the third quarter on the bike, and then played the fourth quarter. So felt good to get some miles through the legs and hopefully play a full quarter game. Full four quarter game this week. I couldn't quite work out whether you'd just gone ice cold in that third quarter. If I hadn't seen you anywhere on the ground, it's you know could not not out of character for you to to kind of go missing for a quarter or so. So glad to hear that it was just injury related and uh, or time management related. Uh, how how'd you feel out there? Uh, yeah, it felt good. I thought you know, um, fitness didn't really um, change, which was a good thing because I think that's always been my issue. So it was good to yeah be able to run out the the amount of time that I did um, without blowing up too much. Good to hear. And on the other side of my podcast style, I've got uh, the uh, the resplendent, mustachioed uh, Dylan Bolch. Uh, Dylan, it's been a bit of a been a bit of a rough few weeks for you, Supercoach wise. How are things going in sort of the uh, the real world footy realm, the journo realm? Are you, are you getting a few scoops out there? Oh uh, yeah, been a bit of a slow <coughs> slow time period, but that's all right. I put the queue in the rack with the uh, the Supercoach, where um, I think I scored two five fifty odd this week, which Solid. wasn't a disaster, but. Um, Felt bad when I looked at the league rankings and saw Charlie only scored two four fifty. <laughs> that uh, I reckon that put his week into perspective a bit when uh, when my team's doing better than him. But yeah, no good. Not a great year for me, and uh, I think I'm just about dead last in the contributors' league. But that's all right. That's quite okay. It's been a pretty good league. I think we dropped a spot down to uh, ninth overall. Uh, which uh, which was yeah a little little decrease from our eighth overall last week, but still been a fantastic year so far for the contributors. Charlie, you starting to hear footsteps? I'm only only about seventy one points behind you now. How's it feeling? I'm getting a bit nervous, Eddie. Yeah, you are creeping up, and it's just been a it's been a slow burn for the last month or so that you've just been always hot on my heels. So hoping that the boys can uh, can pull something out for the remaining four weeks. Six of the top six of our eight contributors in the contributors league ranked in the top five thousand. We've got three in the top. 2000 with uh, with Lovsky FC kicking long with Bandit and uh, dropped kicks. Uh, and then, yeah, the two of us, Charlie, just outside the top 4,000 and then uh, Rain Man sitting at 4,700th. And then I'm not going to read out uh, Dylan and, and <laughs> Klopp's rankings. Because, uh, thankfully, Klopp's, thankfully, Klopp's still producing good Twitter content is all I'll say. Um, but yeah, a very interesting week on the in the Supercoach realm, boys. Lots to talk about, um, both from a Supercoach uh, and a real world perspective, I think. Um, given the time of year, it, it's a good chance to kind of step back and uh, and get a little more real world footy into the mix. So uh, we will be chucking a few more uh, actual topics into the into the segments today. So look forward to that. Um, first off, though, uh, we kind of heard a little bit about how your team went, Dylan. But um, yeah, do you want to run us through the weekend? What went right? What went wrong? Yeah. Um, so two two five fifty odd. I think two five five three. It might have been. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point in time of the year, a lot of everyone's teams are, are full primo or, or thereabouts anyway, so it's sort of hard to make up ground of I've, I've found, um, which sort of has been a theme, I think, for a few years. I, I'm a bit uh, stingy with trades early on or, or sort of hold fire, and then even, you know, a lot of I had, I've had Walsh, I've had Green at the back end, um, and I've been able to trade them out, but it sort of doesn't make a difference because I'm coming from so far back, so... Yeah, I think um, it's certainly one thing I'll do next year is hopefully be a bit more aggressive early on. Indeed. Um, yeah, I think that's that's been a big lesson this year is, is being aggressive. I mean, I did say last week that I, that I wished I hadn't traded out a couple of guys as early as I did, um, Nick Dacos and Will Ashcroft types. But I think, yeah, that's kind of a different type of aggression that you're referring to there. I think it's more just, yeah, yeah seeing seeing and making the move straight away rather than trying to wait a couple of weeks. I mean, I think Max Gorn's a really good example of that and, and we will discuss Gorney later in the pod. But yeah, for those who went early and hard on Gorney, uh, they're being repaid in spades. What about you, Charlie? How was, uh, how was your weekend? Yeah, as uh, Dill alluded to earlier, it wasn't great, so I'll keep this one short. I scored a, a two four four eight, um, and that moved me down to 
Yeah, 4,093rd. Um, not a good week at all. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll vent this out in the in the LVP votes, but um, yeah, it was terrible. Good. I cannot wait to to get into that. Um, yeah, my team my team actually went okay on the weekend. Uh, it was tracking for a sort of I think like a lot of people was tracking for kind of a twenty six hundred plus score, um, and then yeah, kind of just fell off at the end. But two five six four, um, I think that ranked me sixteen thousand. Basically held held ranking overall. Did gain a little bit on the, a few idiots like Charlie. Um, just Charlie, some of the trades and things you've been making the last couple, I'm kind of worried for your health, uh, both in AFL Fantasy and Supercar. The, it, it just for those playing AFL Fantasy this week, Charlie decided to trade out Tom Stewart um, for George Hewitt. So that only cost... What was the other trade? Don't what, just what was the other trade? What was the other trade? Excuse me. Spielberg for Dunkley or something, which it the trade netted me a, a profit in points. I came out... Okay. About, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll table that one. Uh, I did. It's time to get into our most and least valuable player votes for the week. So this year, uh, for those unaware, we've been ranking uh, basically each week, giving out three, three, two, and one Brownlow style votes for our most and least valuable players of the week. The criteria uh, is very open to whatever you feel, whoever you want to give a spray, whoever you want to big up a little bit. Um, I'll lead us off with my MVP votes. Uh, one goes to a guy that I actually can't believe it. This was the first vote he's received this year for the most valuable player, and that's Andrew Brayshaw. I feel like he's had a much better year than that. Um, deserves a little bit of love. Had a fantastic game on the weekend. Uh, what a win by the Dockers, just quietly. Uh, they've got an incredibly good record at GMHBA Stadium. And yeah, Brayshaw's 1-3-7 was a big part of that. Two votes goes to Errol Goulden. Unlucky not to get the three. Um, yeah, geez, it's, it's been a bit of a yo-yo year for him, but... Uh, given he's averaging 111, uh, I think we can probably let his consistency issues slide. Uh, and then three votes is going to go to Christian Petrarca, who, yeah, basically could have had a 180-plus score had he kicked straight and, and not given up, a, given off a couple of goals. Uh, just an enormous outing for Melbourne, super coach-wise. Him, Gorney, uh, all the boys really kicking uh, a lot of points there. So Christian Petrarca gets my three. Uh, where have you gone with this one this week, Charlie? Um, I gave one vote to Harry Sheasel. Um, wasn't the highest score, but yeah, as I said, I think I was on last week. It's just been, um, yeah, a good hold and, and he's rewarding all those that did hold him. Um, he's got a great three-round average, turned up in each of the last three games. So that's been awesome. Um, two votes goes to Josh Dunkley as skipper. Um, yeah, he's just a, a very safe captain choice. Um, dropped a 133 on the weekend and, and yeah, he was great. And then three votes goes to Errol for that 152. Um, yeah, Eddie, as you said, I think, yeah, we can just let the... Consistency slide, I don't, I'm not really fussed about it as long as he's putting up these big 150s. Um, yeah, that's enough to um, to warrant a, a big tick of approval in my opinion. Do we know whether he's going to retain forward status going into the 2024? Because, I mean, if he does, it's 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 going to be very hard to ignore him. Um, Dylan, have you heard anything on that front? No, I haven't heard anything either way. I suspect he probably won't, but that's just a gut, a gut feel. I could, be, I could be way off the mark there. Yeah, interested to see. I mean, he yeah had 47% centre bounce attendances on the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, he's not necessarily playing anything forward. Uh, his role doesn't look like a forward line role yet. Whether he can hit that sort of 30% threshold, I guess we'll see. Uh, Dylan, what about your most valuable player of the week votes? Yeah, I gave um, one to Harry Sheasel as well. As Charlie said, a lot of people um, held him probably a month ago and, and he's repaid that um, in spades. So he gets the one vote. Um, Dunkley... Two votes. He scored 134. Oh, sorry, 133. Um, a lot of people jumped off him when he had that calf injury about a fortnight ago, and, and for him to come back and score like that, I think that's, um, I guess, vindicated the hold. Um, and then three votes to Tim English, who I had as a skipper this week. He's been um, the best ruck by a million miles this year, and I know a lot of people were, myself included, sort of doubting that pick at, at times in the preseason with all these. Um, you know, injury niggles and concussions and whatever else. But, yeah, he's been – I think he's averaging close to 130 this year, which is – yeah, that's, a, that's just about the best in the game, I think. Oh, it's been absolutely murdering me, not having him, but just completely killing me. Um, and, yeah, we are, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but it's just the fact that I've got two Ruckman averaging 109 and 105, and I feel like I'm losing – 75 points a week with those two at the moment um, is becoming a real problem. So, yeah, we will get into that, the uh, the ruck discussion a little bit later. In terms of least valuable player of the week votes, uh, I'm giving one to Lockie Neal, uh, who just got destroyed by by, uh, by Took Miller on the weekend. Took was all over him, um, killed him, apparently went into into the, the coach's office in, in the week and said, I want to take Lockie Neal, I'm going to kill him. Um, and he went ahead and absolutely did that. Huge win for the Suns. Uh, Lockie Neal was nowhere to be seen. 
two votes go to Tim Taranto, who you spoke about yesterday in your weekly wrap article, Charlie. He's actually he's only got one ton in his last five, which um, I have to say I didn't realize. I guess it doesn't really matter because everyone's got him, um, but still would be nice to see some decent scoring out of him. And then three votes just go to the bane of my existence, Mason Redmond, who secured the bag um, during the week with a massive contract and then looked completely disinterested <laughs> out there on Saturday night. Um, he wasn't on his own. There are a few bombers that were down, but yeah, geez, uh, that one that one really hurts, uh, boys. That one's that one's going to stop me <clears throat> with any semblance of a push for the top two thousand. So, uh, thank you to Mason Redmond, who's going to go on the never again list. I think, uh, Charlie. What about you? I assume Redmond's going to feature in uh, your votes as well. He does, but I up into a bit of a, a Nico style thing. So bending the rules a little oh, bit. Oh God! I'm giving out three two votes. Um, so I've gone <laughs> two votes for Mason Redmond. Um, two votes for Nick Martin. As I said in my weekly wrap, is it any surprise that they both play for Essendon? I don't think it is. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and then rounding off the votes is two for Callum Mills with a 50. Um, only attended four centre bounces, which was gross. Um, playing a lot more forward. Yeah, uh, all three of those guys, I think, yeah, really sum up my season as to why I'm, I'm not performing as well as I should be. Um, and yeah, I think it, yeah, it comes down to those three. What do you, I mean, so the Martin trade, I think you brought in Martin about a month ago. Is that right? Uh, like three weeks, yeah. How's, how's that gone? Um, because at the time, I have to say, no, I'm not, not, this is not a leading <laughs> question, I promise. At the time, I thought it was a decent move. What's happened? Yeah. Well, yeah, when I brought him in, he had come off 120, 129, 139, 124, a 79, and then a 127. <laughs> so I thought, you yeah, know, pretty good trade. Um, and then he dropped a 58. A 90 last week or two weeks ago and then a 53 on the weekend. So um, I don't I, I don't watch Essendon games, so I don't really know what's going on. I would imagine that they'd want to be trying to get the footy in his hands because he's one of the best kicks, one of the best distributors at the club. But um, yeah, it doesn't seem that way. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that Essendon's form's fallen off um, along with Nick Martin's. I think the two go very hand in hand, um, which is probably an indictment on, yeah, still where the Bombers are at and how they're building that they're, they're so reliant on a second-year player. But uh, yeah, he's he's dropped 47K last week. He's got a break-even of 135. He does play West Coast and North Melbourne, who he had 120-plus scores on both of them earlier this season. Uh, so I think there is some light at the end of the tunnel, Charlie. I definitely wouldn't be trading. Um, just, so, just, to, just to cut in really quickly and give you a chance to big yourself up here uh how's the nrl super coach going because uh, there's been a bit of chatter in the in the um sc playbook whatsapp it sounds like you're going pretty good um the floor is yours how is your nrl season playing out it's yeah it's gone very well it's been pretty topsy-turvy the last um couple months or so um i'm doing everything i can to to stay in the top one carry and get myself a pair of socks um at the moment i've yeah coming off a pretty good score on the weekend um a 1407 um which probably would have been the equivalent of like a 2,600 or thereabouts in AFL. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that netted me a, a increase of up to 259. So still knocking wow. on the door of the top 100. Um, yeah. yeah so it's, uh, it's getting pretty good. I've got one trade left though, so I'm just saving that for injury. I dare say you've got a nice pair of socks and a, and a KFC voucher coming your way either way. Surely you can't drop out of the top 1,000 from here. What are, what are you saving the one trade for? Is, is it common in NRL to just have the one trade left at this point? I don't. You're asking the wrong person. I. I, I don't know. Sorry. Um. I, I, yeah. I think I'm just. I'll just save it for, for suspension or injury. Um. I think from here on, it's very similar to, to what AFL would be. Nice. Uh, well, what about your least valuable player of the week votes, Dylan? Uh, you're always good at taking a couple of pot shots at guys. Uh, who's in the gun this week? Yeah, I had Lockie Neal as as the one. Um. As you said, Miller just slaughtered him. I think some of the vision that has been clipped up on various talkback shows um, this week is pretty damning. He's just, yeah, the work rate isn't there. And, um, you know, Ashcroft's out of that midfield now, so there's a, a change in dynamic. But, yeah, I think Brisbane have a few issues they've got to sort out. Um, yeah, I, I watched the second half of that Gold Coast-Brisbane game and it was noticeable how little the Brisbane midfielders wanted to work compared mm. to the Andersons and the Rouse and the, and the Millers um, who were just burning them both ways, really. It was uh, it was actually quite galling. I think the, the vision wouldn't have been pretty on Monday morning. Yeah, and as you said, I think it's a, a little bit concerning when you know the Lions are pushing for a top four spot and the reality is Gold Coast season is probably dead. Um, they need a lot to get it right to make finals from here, so... Yeah, I reckon Chris Fagan would have been a little bit um, narky about that this, um, in the review. But, 
Yeah, two votes for Sam Doherty. I think I put him in about three weeks ago for Tom Green, and, and since then he's scored like an 80, a 90, and um, the, the second week I had him, he scored pretty well. But, um, you know, when I sort of tossed up Doherty and Houston um, at the same time, and Houston's yeah. been just so much Lights so out. much better. Um, so that's – I've given him two votes, which is probably a little bit harsh if he scored 90-odd. Um, and then – floor is what um, is intriguing me at the moment. I, I kind of had him penciled in as son of a 60, 70 floor guy, but his floor mm. at the moment is like 85, 90. He just, he's getting so much of the footy and uses it so well when he gets it. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, one thing that, that wasn't – that's changed since I brought him in is that, you know, Cherry's since been injured, Walsh has since been injured, Kennedy since been injured. So there has been a yeah. few things sort of – Changing around a bit, um, so I guess we can cut him a little bit of slack there. And then he's that rare, he's that rare operator, Doherty, where you actually don't want to see those centre bounce tendencies on the up, do you? It's almost like yeah, I had Jordan Dawson in that in that bucket as well earlier. This I think Dawson's proven he can score anywhere, but yeah, you kind of want Doherty coming up the half back line. Same with Jack Sinclair. Sinclair, um, yeah, he was the one. It's very, it's very different yeah. to kind of your traditional um, super coach mindset. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then three votes to David Cunningham, who scored. 46. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got him. I'm stuffing him at F6 and it's just, yeah. <laughs> what did he score on the weekend? 46 points. Oh, which, the week oh. before he scored 80, which I was pumped about. Um, but yeah. Is I he mean, covering for anyone or is he just parked at F6? Nah, he's just parked at F6. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sums up your season yeah. uh, better than anything else possibly could do. <laughs> yeah. David Cunningham at F6. To make matters yeah. worse, Ryan Marrick outscored him, which is anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not great. Have you got have you got any sort of wriggle room, wriggle room out of that one, or are you you stuck with him for the rest of the season there? No, I've only got one trade left, and I've only got about fifteen grand in the bank. So <laughs> unless <laughs> unless like I don't know, I might I can't even get a big key forward who's that price because like they're all kicking bags at the moment. So yeah, I don't know. I've just. I'm Grim. screwed. Maybe I put in Brandon Ryan and hope he. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <trouble>. screwed. <laughs> trouble. Well, uh, it's been a very long AFL season already, particularly for Dylan with struggling with his super coach. Uh, and if your team has been stinking it up like Dylan's, and if you've been dreaming about cocktails on the beach in Mexico, eating gelato in Rome, like it seems most of Australia are doing at the moment, or not being able to remember half your time in Vegas with the boys, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice can help you get there. Whatever you want to do and wherever you'd like to go, you can speak to the boys today about how you can get quick and easy access to cash at the lowest rate possible so you can book that last minute flight today. Message the boys on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on our on the SC Playbook website for their email, phone contact or QR code details. And please remember, if you do, rem- if you do mention the SC Playbook a podcast, uh, then you won't pay their usual $129 fee. So thank you again to Mortgage Choice for all their support this season. Uh, it's been fantastic having them on board. Uh, each week, we like to go through the big topics facing the Supercoach world, boys. Uh, but to, now I'm going to go something a little different this week, and I'm going to start us off with a big topic that's that's facing the AFL world at large, uh, and it's the the retirement of Lance Buddy Franklin. Um, and I just, wanted, I just wanted to kind of chat it out because you guys are both obviously massive Hawthorne fans. Uh, you both were sort of growing up in the in the 2000s when Buddy was at his peak. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to, to get your thoughts and feelings on, on how Buddy ranks all time and, and what your thoughts were on him uh, growing up and how you perceived him. So, yeah, Charlie, the floor is yours. What did, what did you sort of make of Buddy as a, as a young Hawthorne fan coming up? Yeah, I think he, he's what got me into to Hawthorne. Um, him and Cyril at the time were just unstoppable. They were a, the dynamic duo of the, of the competition and... I still think he's the best forward I've, I've ever seen live. I had the privilege of, of watching him live in person um, and obviously on the TV as well. And yeah, he was just incredible. Um, everything that he that he did, I don't think anyone's going to be able to do that again. He's just a, a cut above. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree. I mean, Gary Ablett Jr. has always been the best player that I've that I've seen live from a from a totality standpoint. He's I don't think anyone will top how good uh, Prime Gadge was. But yeah, forward line wise, I don't think we're going to see a better forward for a long time than, than what we saw with Buddy. I mean, um, I was looking through Twitter and there are all these stats coming out. I think he's someone's got a stat that he's got the most era-adjusted goals of all time. So 
you know, factoring in the fact that games these days don't score as many goals. Um, he's actually, he's taken over sort of the likes of Gordon Coventry and Tony Lockett and, and those kind of guys um, as the greatest goal kicker of all time uh, when factoring that in. Dylan, what about you? What, did, uh, what, did, what were your thoughts on Buddy? Growing up in Melbourne as well, yeah. uh, you must have got a fair few opportunities to go and see Buddy live at the G, um, yeah. tearing things up. How was it? Yeah, for sure. I think as Charlie said, it's, yeah, it was one of the, the, I guess the biggest draw cards, um, not only as a young Hawthorne fan, but I think as a football fan in general, um, even if you weren't a, a Hawks Hawk supporter or a Swan supporter, I think you'd, you'd pay to go and see him. And yeah, I've got some pretty good memories of, of watching him in the uh, the early, two, well, the I guess the late 2000s, um, I think 2008, before we sort of properly hit, um, you know, weekend sport. I reckon we went to about 15 games that year. Um, so seeing him, that was really in his prime when he was kicking those bags. That was, yeah, pretty special and something I'll remember forever. Indeed. Um, uh, like As a Bombers fan, I, I mean, I can't count the amount of times that he just completely destroyed us. Like it was it was unbelievable. I think I remember saying at some point, even as late as sort of last year, that his average goals against the Bombers was sort of five plus over the course of his entire career, which is obviously just mental. I mean, the Kale Hooker goal... Uh, is the obvious one, but I think he also kicked seven that night. Um, yeah, just used to tear us, tear us up. My favourite buddy moment um, of all time was, I think it was the 2011 prelim, um, that dribble goal he kicked along the ground against Collingwood that um, yeah, Luke Ball sort of cancelled out a minute later with, with the game winner. But yeah, that goal sort of running on, onto his wrong side and dribbling it sort of counterclockwise to where he was going uh, to get that one through was, was the best buddy goal I've seen. Uh, Charlie, you and I were watching that, I remember, um, and just absolutely losing our minds. Uh, is that one up the top for you as well or did you have another favourite buddy moment? No, I had that in the list as well. Um... But yeah, like I, I, when you when you put out the run sheet, I immediately went on YouTube and and searched up his best moments, and just oh, it's ridiculous. It, it like transported me back in time because uh, ever since like when he went to Sydney, he kind of you know I was a bit off him. I was uh, you know, screw you, buddy. Um, but like watching watching what he did at Hawthorne, it just yeah put me back as that little kind of eight year old, ten year old. Um, so I seen the goal against the the Crows in the Eland final. Um, mm-hmm. That was incredible. I remember the commentary vividly for that. And was like, oh, what an inspiration! <laughs> that was that was ridiculous. And then I can only, one of my earliest AFL memories is I can very faintly remember watching his um, his hundredth goal versus Carlton um, yep. as a six year old in two thousand and eight. I just yeah, that sticks out. I can just picture um, yeah sitting on the couch and watching them storm the field. Um, yeah, that really stands out as an AFL memory. And as you said, Eddie, that that dribble goal against Collingwood, um, even though we ended up losing that game, that um, that was probably one of the best finals moments I think I've seen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, couldn't agree more with all of those moments. Dylan, surely you've got a couple. You, you must have been live at a, at a couple of the big ones, surely. Yeah, so we were lucky enough to get tickets to the um, the game against Carlton where he kicked his 100th and, and Feb got... Oh, no way. 99, yeah. Um, didn't get out onto the ground, though. Um, as We're in the, the... Like, it was literally, the I think, the third row on the back, like the top level, um, third row from the back. So we... Uh, yeah. We um, didn't get out onto the field, and as I think I was, I would have been seven or eight at the time, and my younger brother would have been five or six, so <laughs> probably a little bit of a mission um, for mum and dad to get a couple of uh, young tackers out there, so I didn't do that, um, but that was, yeah, that game, I remember that game really well. And even, I'll never you know, forgive Clarkson for clogging that up and not Yeah, flooding the back line. <laughs> that was classic Clarkson, hated him yeah. for it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Very funny. Um, but yeah, as Charlie said, the... The elimination final against the Crows, um, kicking, you know, those goals against Essendon um, where he's made Kyle Hooker look silly. Um, big bags against the Dogs in a um, qualifying final in 08 as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a, a pretty special talent. We could go on for probably an hour just talking about him alone. Yeah, I mean, I, in our group chat yesterday, Bandit linked, uh, I think, a 24-minute highlight package of mm. his purely his Hawthorne um, goals and some of the, his Hawthorne moments, which, yeah, I mean, we're just going to get some absurd uh, packages coming out over the coming days, which, which yeah, I can't wait for. Uh, one of the all-time greats. I think he's probably, I mean, for our era, he's on the Mount Rushmore, definitely up there with, yeah, Gadge and, you know, Juddy and, and those guys. So it'll be interesting to see where he falls all-time. I've seen Damien Barrett, saying today that he should go straight in as a legend into the Hall of Fame, which, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure we'll be debated over the coming days, but he's going to be a legend at, at some point. And, yeah, he's potentially the greatest player of this era. So yeah. can't I wait to... Yeah. Like with, I think one thing with Buddy as well is that he, like whilst, you know, your Ablets and your Judds and these guys are, are super footballers, I think Buddy's off-field presence was just as strong, if not stronger. Um, mm-hmm. 
he's sort of got that, I guess, showmanship about him where he's kicking the goals. And if you're a casual fan who, I guess, isn't a, um, you know, into the the nitty and gritty of, of footy, um, you know, paying 20 bucks to go and watch him kick 10 goals, that's, um, yeah, that's certainly getting your money's worth. Definitely. And I think as well, it speaks a lot to him as, as to how friendly he was with everyone for both his um, his 100th goal when uh, in that year when people stormed on the field and his 1,000th yeah. last year. Just some of the footage that came out, I mean, it would have been very easy for him to, to kind of lose the pot a little bit there. And the fact that he was able to you know engage with people um, and sort of recognise that this was as much about the AFL community celebrating him as it was him celebrating. Uh, yeah, I think he's fantastic. And yeah, incredible that he's gone to two clubs and he's going to be one of the greatest players ever at both clubs. Um, yeah, very rare in the history of the AFL. It's kind of LeBron James style that he was able to do that. So, yeah, hoping we get the, the chance to celebrate Buddy properly over the last month of this season. I'm sure we will. Uh, moving on to the Supercoach stuff that I wanted to get into this week, boys. Uh, the first one, first Supercoach-related topic that I, I wanted to chat about was, uh, was Max Gorn. Um, because it's starting to seriously shit me um, that I don't own him. He's got a three-round average of 170 and a five-round average of 141. He's in just 9% teams overall, and he's just in, he's in just 6% of the top 1%. Um, I, I, I Look, I think it's at the point where I think you have to think about using your last trade on him. Um, it, it's This is as bad in terms of losing points as having an injury or having someone suspended. Um, as I said, you, you're basically losing 50 points a week this week. Uh, 50 points a week every week if you own a Briggs and a Marshall, which I do. I can get to I can get from Briggs to Gorn uh, with 4K to spare with my last trade. Should I be doing it, Charlie? Yeah, I, I literally had that on my, my little notes. I said, if you've got Briggs, I think that trade is a no-brainer. Um, with one, even with run, one trade left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did follow that up by saying, like, maybe any other primo on the ruck line and it might be a bit of a wasteful trade. But I think Briggs, um, yeah, I think you can definitely make an exception for Briggs. I think, yeah, that that those points that you're going to be missing out on, um, they're definitely going to add up with four games to go. Um, but, yeah, like, imagine if Gorn had forward status. He was, like, a, a percent off, if that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that would be, yeah, a massive game changer if we, we could get him at F1. His second half on the weekend, Dylan, let me read out his stats to you. 23 disposals, 22 hitouts, 17 contestant possessions, nine clearances, 379 meters gained, seven inside 50s, seven score involvements in a half of football. I mean, it, it's reaching kind of insane levels. It, you know, just it continues to baffle me that that Melbourne would have, have even considered bringing Brody Grundy in to try and pair him up with potentially the best player in the competition um, at his position. Definitely, yeah. I mean, wh- what would you do in my position? You've got one trade. You can get from Briggs to Gorn. Do you do it? Do you save it for an injury? Do you save it for a suspension? What do you do? Yeah, I think Charlie's hit the nail on the head there. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, if you've got Briggs, I'd do it. Um, if you have a Marshall or a Wits or a, um, you know, these sorts of guys that are still scoring pretty well, I probably wouldn't. But yeah, if you've got Briggs, I'd, I'd certainly do that. I think. As you said, the difference you know could be up to 100 points a week, um, potentially, which is um, especially if you've got cover on other, other lines as well. Like I know a lot of people have Marrick and Cunningham and Matt Johnson, these sort of types that are Matt Roberts. I saw did pretty well um, on the weekend too. Some people might still have him. So if you've got a little bit of bench cover as well, I think it's a total no-brainer. Yeah, that, I think that's my major problem is I've got zero bench cover, so it's the only sort of thing holding me back. <clears throat> over the next three weeks, over the next four weeks, Gorney plays North Melbourne. Um, so yeah, I'm not too worried about that ruck, ruck, ruck matchup. Then he's got Carlton at the G. Um, yeah, Pitnet's proven to be pretty good at negating. So maybe there's uh, there's an issue there. Hawthorne uh, surprisingly hard to score against. And then he's got Sydney at the SCG. Um, round 24 is just going to be a, a complete. Uh, he's going to tear him up. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. Mel- uh, Sydney have got no ruckman capable of going anywhere near him. Um, so assuming that Melbourne is still in the hunt for a top two spot come round 24, um, yeah, it's just going to be very, very hard not to get him in. Um, the Tim English put 173 on the Swans at the SCG. So uh, that shows you how gettable they are. I mean, Charlie, if, if, if you have more than one trade, you're obviously doing it. What about if you have to use two trades to get him? What about if you have to use... Um, your, your last two remaining trades to do a downgrade and an upgrade to get him. Is, it, is that sort of beyond the pale for you? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing that. I think um, at this time of year, especially like the likes of Collingwood and and Port and, and Brisbane that have probably, or maybe not Brisbane, but those two that have cemented their top four spot, we could see maybe a rest for, for Nick Dacos or 
or, you know, uh, Dan Houston or, or some of these guys, a bit like the NBA when, you know, the season's kind of done and they can focus on finals, we might see these guys getting a little little reprieve. Um, so I probably wouldn't. I think I think you need to save those trades just in case you need a, to cover a, a player that, you know, is putting out 120s like Dacos. Um, yeah, I think you need to save those trades. I have seen um, some, I think Kane Corns and a couple of the other guys on SEN were suggesting that he might get a rest this week, given they play North down at Blundstone, uh, the same North that just lost to, to probably the worst team in AFL history. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a wait-and-see approach. I wouldn't be surprised if Grundy comes back in this week. I mean, that's obviously the worry. Uh, is, is there any chance that Grundy comes back in, Dylan? How's he been going at the VFL level? Yeah, he hasn't really been shooting the lights out at all, which, I mean, they're persisting with him as a forward, which he's not like he's not a forward. <laughs> I, th- I think that's, yeah. I, I'm I'm sure we'll get to it later, but there's I think there's a big watch on what they do um, over the off season with that. Just uh, it's also probably just worth noting that um, since 2016, Gordy averages 144 against Richmond um, with one score sort of below 125, and that was a 98 earlier this year with Grundy in the team. So uh, 150 averages against Richmond without Grundy. Probably just worth thinking about. Um, yeah, I'm pretty torn. I'm very 50-50 on this one, boys. I'm going to need to think about it over the course of the week. Um, next big topic is the Bombers midfielders. Uh, if you're like me, you've got both um, Merritt and Parrish in. Uh, they play West Coast and North Melbourne in their next two games. Charlie, if you didn't have either of those guys, how essential do you think it is to get them in? Because we're seeing what teams are doing to to North Melbourne and, and West Coast. We saw what LDU did to, to West Coast on the weekend. Um, the Kangaroos aren't much chop either. How important is it to have these Bombers guys over the next fortnight of footy? Well, I think I think if you're in the market for a primo or a primo or two, um, they'd be very, very high on my list, if not the the top one and two. Um, I think I'd be doing everything I could to get Zach Merritt in. Um, Darcy Parrish, I could maybe let slide, but yeah, Merritt's going to absolutely towel up Essendon and West Coast. Um, at a 110 on, on the Eagles early in the year. I think he might have copped a bit of attention from from Xavier O'Neill or whoever was was tagging him that day. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be able to absolutely blitz it on the weekend um, or this weekend. Um, and then North Melbourne, he had a 137 on um, earlier this year. So had about 80 points in the first quarter in that game as well. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, um, he's an immediate captain option um, for the next two weeks. Agreed. Dylan, have you got those two boys? Yeah, I've got them both. I, I missed... It was about the time when Merritt was at his bottom dollar, I, I passed on him and went for, oh, I can't remember who it was at the time, someone who was not bottom dollar and it sort of bit me, came back to bite me a little bit. Um, but I've, I've got them both now and, yeah, I think, as Charlie said, the Merritt in particular is a, a captaincy option for the next fortnight. Um, I, I'm not sure that I would be sideways trading in someone like Parrish. I think, if you, as, as Charlie sort of said, if you're in the market for, a, for an upgrade, I'd definitely look at, um, look at both of them, but I'm, I'm not sure I'd be using a sideways trade on them. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it just feels like you know, if you've got someone like I don't know, Sarong, I certainly wouldn't be going sideways from a Sarong to a Parish. If you've got a you know, Steel's another one, even like even if you've got Crips, I don't know that I'd be doing Crips to Parish. I think it, that's if you've got trades to be doing that, you're probably coming from too far back anyway. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to have them. Probably yeah. wouldn't be selling the farm to get Parrish. If you don't have Merritt, um, I think your season's probably cooked anyway because yeah. uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. Um, last topic that I want to get to today, boys, is, is just having a look forward to 2024. Uh, I'm going to get a few different guests on the pod over the next couple of weeks and just find out who everyone's keeping their eye on. Um, now, obviously not holding you to anything doesn't mean you have to lock this guy in next year. Uh, I'm kind of considering it more as, as someone from each line on the field that you guys are going to be keeping a really close eye on over the 2024 preseason, noting that we've still got a month of this season to go. But I always think it's good to sort of keep your eyes on on what's happening. It, it helped us with Errol Goulden last year. I know he finished 2022 like a house on fire. That's why a lot of coaches were keen on him in the 24 pre in the 23 preseason. Uh, so it is just good to, to sort of keep your mind um, looking up he- ahead of the game. Charlie, I want to start with you. What uh, Who's taking your eye in the defence that, that you're thinking that you might want to start with next year? Yeah, I think he'll be be one of my first picked. Um, or he'll, he'll definitely be in my first draft, I reckon. And that's Nasiah Wanganin Malera. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got eight 90-plus scores uh, in his last 10 games. Um, he's getting a lot of footy off half-back. And I think he, oh, he's, he's one of the best distributors at St Kilda, but I also think he's one of the best distributors in the AFL. I just love the way he goes about it. Um, he's got, yeah, such a good kick. Um, I think the 
the only you know direction here for for him is is upwards. Um, he's going to explode next year, and yeah, it'll be his third season, um, the famous third year breakout that that so many players have had. I think he could average one hundred five next year. Huge call. Don't mind it. He's uh, like you say. I agree. His kicking is is outstanding. He sees those little pockets that that other players don't. I think he'd probably be in the top you know ten fifteen kicks in the league already, which is very impressive for a second year player. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with someone a little bit left field, but a guy that I've really liked for a while, and um, that's Will Powell uh, from the Suns. He's currently at 501k. Um, he's got a three round average uh, of 108. Uh, he's coming really good at the back end of the season. Five round average of 99, um, average of 92 for the season. But what I'm what I'm liking is that he seems to be raising his floor. Um, he's one of those guys that yeah, you can obviously you can put out a 120 and 130, but it's, it's sort of those 60, 70 scores in between that are not so good. His lowest score since round 14 is a 74, uh, and he's only got one sub-90 score since that time. So uh, he's really been building into his season. The Suns love him with ball in hand. Uh, he plays well above his body weight in terms of uh, his, his contest from an aerial standpoint. Um, if he can keep his body right, which he has managed to this year, he's played um, basically every single game since round three, uh, I really like the look of willpower. And I think the, the Suns... I mean, we've been saying this for a decade, but the Suns are going to get better next year. Uh, they should be in the finals hunt, and, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Uh, Dylan, what about you? What are, who, who's taking your eye? Um, yeah, I had um, Wanganemulera um, down as well. So Charlie, Charlie spot on there. He's um, getting a lot of ball. He's he's had kickouts as well at times. He uses it really well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of boxes that are sort of being ticked. I'm not sure... I'm as hot on him as Charlie was, and I think I'd, I'd start with him. Um, but he's certainly one to watch. I think, yeah, it, it'd be brave to start with him when we've got so many defenders in that top echelon at the moment. Um, but yeah, he's certainly one that I think looks primed for a breakout. We've got nine defenders with a current five round average of 110 plus, mm. um, which I think speaks volumes to where we're at at the moment. Um, there's just yeah, there's a, there's a lot of quality around. So you're right; it is going to be hard to pick those guys that are. Um, in that sort of 500k range, uh, like I think Wanganin Malira and uh, and uh, Powell will both be. Uh, so you might have to look a little bit further afield down towards some of those, um, yeah, some of those lesser priced guys. What does what does Jack Scrimshaw have to do to, to get a stack of the footy at Hawthorne? Is he is he any chance of, of coming back into the mix next year? Well, I'm uh, interested to hear what you think, Charlie, but I'm a little bit worried about him. I, I really rate him as a footballer. I think he's definitely so in our best 22. But yeah, he's been in and out of the side a fair bit. Um, but Is it a must discipline be, thing? Yeah, it must be something off-field, I think. That's the only only thing I can think of because, yeah, on-field, he's a great kick, um, can intercept Mark. Yeah, he, he ticks a lot of boxes on the field. There must be a disciplinary or um, there must be something that he's got to get right in his game because he's, yeah, I would, I would have thought he's one of our better backmen. Agreed. It's uh, it's an interesting one. I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, I'll start us off with the midfielder that I'm I'm potentially going to lock in as uh, as my M two or M three next year, and that's Luke Davies Uniaki. Um, <clears throat> I think he's an absolute superstar, boys. Um, yeah, re- really excited to hitch my wagon to to LDU next year. Um, got a five round average of 123, 130 in his last three, and look, he's just a beast. I mean, I I can't the way he bursts out of stoppage. Um, he's he reminds me of sort of that peak Paddy Cripps around the contest, just the way he's able to burst away from tackle. Um, he's pushing forward and kicking goals. He hit the big goal on the weekend. Uh, he's got captain written all over him. I'm surprised that North are persisting with this uh, this Luke McDonald experiment. Um, he's got to get the hell out of there. Uh, but yeah, LDU's my guy. I'm locking him in, hitching the wagon. I, I'd be very surprised at this point if he's not um, in my starting team next year, even if he's sort of at that 630, 640K range. Uh, Dylan, thoughts on that one? Um... I'm always hesitant to pick blokes that play in really ordinary sides. So that that was the first flag with that. The second flag was that he seemed to always miss about a month each year with a calf or a hammy or a, some form of soft tissue injury. But yeah, there's certainly certainly started, well, his last month has been really strong. I remember it was about a month ago, I was tossing up him and, and Parrish. And I, I went Parrish. <laughs> and Parrish has been okay. He's, uh, I reckon he's averaged about 110 since I put him in. But yeah, that was a, another one to add to the... The list of stuff ups this year. Yep, love it. Who are you? Uh, who are you looking at from the midfield uh, line for next year? Yeah, I had Jack Steele as my um, sort of oh, name. God. To... Not you as well. Far well, out. he's got history, right? And he had a really slow start to the year. Um, 
but his last four weeks have been 140, 105, 160, 108. I, I just feel like it's worth, he'll be discount, he'll be a cheaper price than a lot of these other guys. It, like if you say to me next year you can pick LDU for 640 or Steel for 540, I think I'm definitely looking at Steel a lot more. And, and it is only the, the price that sort of has me interested at the moment. Um, and I mean, we're not going to know the answer to this question until probably a week out from round one next year. Uh, but if there is, if I do need to find sort of a hundred grand here or there, that I could see that being a feasible way to do that. I don't mind it at all, Dylan. A um, couple of good little little segments there. I don't mind that. Charlie, what about you? Who's uh, who's catching your eye in the mids? Um, well, provided he doesn't play this year, um, this guy is going to be my first picked midfield cheapie next season, um, without a doubt. Uh, that's Elijah Satas. Um, yeah, he's been dominating the VFL um, since his return from injury. Is going to be heavily underpriced next season um, as a result of not playing this year. Well, fingers crossed. Um, and yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a spot in the Essendon midfield for him. I think Will Setterfield maybe might wait, make his way out. I don't know what you think, Eddie, but I think, yeah, if you had to, to pick as a coach Eliza Sadas or, or Will Setterfield, I think you'd be picking Eliza Sadas every day of the week. I would. Um, I'll caveat this pretty heavily. I think he definitely is going to play in this last month of the season. Um, Satas's issue, and it's going to be a problem for him, I think, going forward, is his disposal is is not good. Um, he He's a real rusher and hacker out of stoppage at the moment. Uh, he's getting an absolute ton of it in the VFL. He, he can't stop getting the ball in the VFL, um, but he just... Yeah, he doesn't really have that uh, that extra second that he takes with the ball that allows him to sort of distribute it properly. So um, I'm also excited for him. And and if he play, if he starts, if he doesn't play this season and starts round one next year, he's absolute lock. I mean, you're not gonna, no one's gonna be not having um, Satas in their team. But yeah, I just I, I don't I'm not sure about his his prospects longer term just yet until he figures that out. Um, yeah, I I also would would prefer to see him in the in the side ahead of um, Setterfield at the moment and like a Snelling as well. I, I would to see him in there um but yeah i also like that that scotty's making his making him earn his way through the twos and yeah he just has a couple of things he needs to tighten up on parish um, won't be there anyway next year mate it's all well, good that's what i was <laughs> going to say dylan i think if we, we've got we've got room for one butcher in the side yeah um and so yeah if parish does move on which i think we've discussed in this pod before i wouldn't be um terribly upset if, if we did end up losing parish because yeah, the midfield is one area on the ground that we are pretty well covered, but I love the sad-ass call, Charlie. Um, it's great. It, I think you're right, though, Eddie. It does scream at, you know, a last three-week of the season debut type thing where you give him a taste of it, you let him go up to work over pre-season and say, you know, yeah. this is what you have to work towards. But, and, you know, even if he does play a couple of games, I still think it could be an option. Like, what's his Definitely. price going to be? Really? Like, yeah. And he's the sort of guy that, I mean, he was probably in your round one side prior to getting... Um, yeah. having that long-term injury. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout by the Chief. Definitely. I think him and um, him and Patrick Voss are the, are the two that have been sort of battering the door down in, in the VFL. So would be stunned um, as we sort of drop out of the finals race. Even though, I mean, we've still got North and West Coast to come, so I wouldn't rule it out. But yeah, these next two weeks, I actually would probably pin my hat on um, Satas debuting this weekend uh, Yeah, against West Coast. I'd be yeah kind of surprised if he didn't, uh, given what we've been dishing up at the moment but he'll be in my he'll be sub 200k next year I mean he's an absolute lot maybe that's my solution to Cunningham it's just pivot mm. straight to status <laughs> I like it I like mm. it Dylan that could be he's definitely going to score more than stupid Cunningham is yeah. <laughs> um, we'll move on quickly to the Rucks um, there's, there's actually two that have caught my eye here boys and I couldn't split them the first one is um, is Grundy uh, he's at 429k at the moment I mean you have to think he, he's on his way out to a port or a Sydney um, where he can be the sole guy again and he's going to be so underpriced if he's the sole ruckman in the team. So he's my number one. And then Luke Jackson's my other one. Uh, you know, Sean Darcy to, to Geelong seems to be growing by the second. We've, we've seen what Jackson can do without Darcy in the side and when he's the sole ruck. And both of those guys are going to be sub 500K, probably both sub 550K. So I'm pretty excited by those guys. Anyone else, Dylan, in that, in that ruck line that you like? Yeah, I, I thought you were going there, but Max Gorn is the one that I think if if Grundy goes, I think he's first pick next year. I think you do the double up with him in English um, yep. and you, you don't worry about it. This year, you know, we had to get a little bit creative because um, there was those question marks around around Gorn and Grundy. But yeah, if, if they do move Grundy on, I think you, you pick Gorn and you pick English and you go, even if it blows your budget by, you know, you probably end up spending probably 1.3 mil on them. I think you do it and you throw away the key. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just 
this if that if this year's proven anything, it's that mm. you can't afford to skimp out on. I tried to skimp out on English uh, bad call. I mean, next year is probably the year that English goes back to being injury prone again. Um, but yeah, I agree. Anyone else, Charlie, um, from those rocks that you like? Nah, I've had Luke Jack- Jackson down. Um, yeah, just if, if Darcy gets that trade away, which yeah, he's looking like he will. Um, and yeah, I think the beauty about Jackson is he probably retains his forward status as well. So you can just throw him in at, at F4 or, or whatever. Um, yeah, he's played majority of the year down forward. So I would assume that he that he holds that for next season. 104 on the weekend for your boy Lloyd Meek. Um, any chance that he sort of makes the number one ruck position his own at the Hawks? Is he my boy or is he Charlie's boy? I think he's both of your boys, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he's not my boy. Yeah, he's not. I don't want to climb him either. <laughs> um, oh, I suspect Reeves will come back this week. Um, he only got a week from suspension and he'll probably take the number one role. But yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have high hopes for either Reeves or Meek or Lynch, to be honest. No. The other, the other ruck situation that I'm keeping an eye on um, is the North Melbourne situation. I mean, you'd have to think we've seen the last of Todd Golson at AFL level. Does that open the door for a Cherry or a Coleman Jones? Cherry was really good this year, early doors. Um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. Stuff that, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Not a, Coleman Jones, I don't know how. Who's, whoever's idea it was to pay him as much as he's been paid to play uh, VFL or to play as the fourth. Oh, yeah. He's no good and Cherry is like, He's a dope. I wouldn't pick him either. Don't do it. <laughs> Couple of strong opinions there coming through from Dillard. I love it. Um, last line that I want to look at, Charlie, is is the forward line. Um, yeah, which guys could potentially be picking up forward eligibility that you might like to might like to think about, or yeah, what other what other thoughts do you have on the forward line for 2024? Yeah, I don't I don't know if this bloke will, will still have forward status. He'll definitely have defence um, status. Um, so that I mean, that's there's something going for him there. It's Harry Sheasel. Um, so obviously Jay Z's retired during the week or last week. Um, there's every chance that that Sheasel maintains the Seagull role next year. Um, which if he does, I think yeah, it's it's a no-brainer pick. He's, he's averaging incredibly well, and um, yeah, I think that Seagull role is a you know it's it's due to that. I do suspect though that North um, yeah might try and push him into the guts or, or higher up the ground to get him more involved. Um, similar to what the Pies have done with Dacos. Um, just because, you know, getting cheap footy off halfback, you know, consistently every game um, doesn't do a whole lot for for individual progression. Um, so I think they'll try and, and make him a bit more impactful next season, which, yeah, could limit his his cheap kicks off halfback. I like it. Um, yeah, Sheasel is going to be a very, very tempting second-year prospect, even though he's going to be super expensive next year. Um, I still don't mind the sound of that. Um, I've got a couple that I want to throw at you, you guys. Luke Jackson's one. Now, I've already spoken about him. Marcus Windhager, another one. He's going to be nice, cheap price. He's had a good finish to the season. Um, Isaac Rankin, uh, your boy, Charlie. I don't mind the thought of him pushing up in the midfield next year. Um, Cozzy Pickett's another one who's, who's been up and around the, the guts a little bit. Honestly, he was sort of struggling to find guys in the forward line because it's it's just the cupboard is bare when compared to the back line, especially. Dylan, help us out. Is there anyone that you like? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it is a little bit bare. One name that I wanted to throw up, and I'm not sure where his DPP lies at the moment, is Bailey Smith. He's been really um, down on form this year, but I think he's a, a really, really nice player, and he'll probably be um, a lot cheaper than a lot of these other top-line guys because, you know, guys like... We'll, we'll lose Taranto, we'll probably lose Cornelio, we'll lose um, Gordon, we'll lose Dunkley, we'll lose Rosie, we'll lose Butters, I suspect. Um, so all of a sudden, if you take those guys out, you're looking at Charlie Curnow, Bolton, Jackson, Nick Martin, Dylan Moore, Toby Green, these types. So I think you've got to sort of look at, at the guys that are either discounted or that, that get the new DPP status, which we obviously don't know if that'll be just yet. But yeah, I think Smith is one that, um, I'm certainly keeping an eye on. He was a, a top six or thereabouts last year or the year before. So I think he's one that is certainly worth keeping an eye on over preseason. Definitely. I like it a lot, Dylan. Um, now, boys, it's a huge time of the year for the con- for content as we, we come into the run home. It's Supercoach Finals starting this season. Um, so I did want to give the SC Playbook subscription package a bit of a plug. Uh, it's $50 for the full package, which gets you access to all of our NRL, AFL, and BBL content for the next 12 months, or just $20 for the AFL if you want to get that for the remainder of the season. Uh, you get extra premium articles every week, access to our WhatsApp group chat, uh, and access to our major unlimited group prize as well. 
um, in yeah, just a great place to be. The uh, the WhatsApp chat's been popping off as usual. Um, we've got a number of guys in there who are doing really really well with their super coach ranks, sort of heading to all time best rankings. And uh, yeah, like to take a little bit of credit from the SC Playbook guys helping them out along the way. Uh, so get onto the website if you want some more details around that. Now, boys, what's on the agenda for you guys this week? Uh, any trades, Charlie? You're not going to burn that last trade. You're going to save that one. No, I, I'm done. I don't oh, you're know, done. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just be uh, be going through the week, praying that there's no injuries or suspensions. Um, as for for captains, I'll go BC Bont against the Tigers. Um, I think that's yeah a bit of a no brainer at Marvel Stadium on Friday night. Um, into Zach Merritt against the Eagles. Um, no one else really tickles my fancy. Um, yeah, Dacos is going to get tagged by McGinnis. Um, to what extent, I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah, Rory Laird and, and Jordan Dawson against the Suns as well. But no, I think Merritt's the, the very obvious and safe captaincy option. Yeah, I think you're not going to get any more obvious than Bont into Merritt, are you, Dylan? Any, anyone else you can chuck in the mix there? Or I, I mean, it's just, it just feels so obvious. Yeah, I had the exact same two as well. Bont's got a 125 career average against Richmond too. So that's I think that's as juicy as, as it'll get. Um, yeah, Bont to, to Merritt for me as well. You going to use that last trade, do you think? No, oh, probably not. I don't think. Where am I going to go to? I had a look the other day and it was like, I think Bailey Williams was the, the bloke with the highest average that, that I could afford. Oh, and he was, he's been a sub the last week or so, I think. So, yeah, no, nah, I think I'd just suck it up. <laughs> I yep, will say, though, I don't think that McGinnis got Dacos in the pre, uh, yeah, McGinnis got Dacos in the preseason. I don't reckon Dacos will score 100 this week. He'll go sub 95. Yeah, put that on the record. I don't know so why teams are, it's still anyway. <laughs> back to back down games for Dacos. I yeah. like it. Um, big fan of that. Um, Charlie, each round of the season, we're going to be producing exclusive SC playbook markets of our own through better. Um, have we got anything sorted for this weekend just yet? We are. It's, it's probably only hours away. Well, actually, by the time this podcast is out, I reckon it would be live. Um, okay. It is Marcus Bontempelli, 120 plus AFL fantasy points. Uh, and Cody Waitman, two-plus goals. So Ooh. a little night, Friday night, same game multi. Um, yeah, I think it, that'll be probably paying like 350 to four. Um, and yeah, it looks pretty good. I like it. Um, we're extremely excited that we've now got access to integrating official AFL fantasy markets with Better. Uh, to follow along with this week's multi, you can find the link to the market in any of our articles at scplaybook.com.au. If you do link up an account through that channel, it lets better know that we sent you. So that would be much appreciated. What are you really gambling with? Set a deposit limit. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. That's about all we've got time for today, boys. I really appreciate your time today discussing all things footy, all things Supercoach. Dylan, have a great week. Appreciate you being on the pod. Charlie, thank you very much. You can see your articles on the SC Playbook website uh, as usual. Boys, good luck this weekend.